Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, October 2nd, 2017. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. James, you, you had a pretty uh, monumental show on Sunday for two reasons. First, you had a fairly uh, important guest, I guess. And then your, I think he was there from the beginning of this week on Broadway, your panelist Peter Felicia, our friend, said that he had seen his 11,000th show in his lifetime, which is just mind-boggling. Yes, uh, Peter Felicia easily runs away with uh, the title among people that I know who have seen the most shows. Uh, just and and has such an incredible love for the theater. Just it keeps on. He's not jaded at all. It, it's it's. Yeah, I mean, I've, prob- I've probably seen like a tenth of the number of shows that he's seen, and I'm pretty jaded. And what's crazy about it is, is that I know he's a historian, so this kind of goes with the territory, but he remembers so much detail, years and theaters and who was in it and what he thought, like going back to the 60s. I mean, he I, he's just incredible. And one of the many reasons that everybody should be listening to this week on Broadway is to hear Peter Felicia's insights and, and knowledge and that, that he is able to share with everybody on that podcast. So that's really cool. We had Alan Mankin on, and we were talking about Kurt Vonnegut's God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, and uh, it was the first show that Alan Mankin had produced, had been first show that he had written that had been produced. And uh, Peter and Alan talked about details of that show so many, so many years ago and how it changed theaters and things like this. It was fascinating. It's it's fascinating every week to sit on the sidelines and just hear uh, Peter and Michael talk with these uh, Broadway luminaries. I'm just, you know, I'm just so lucky to be there. Yeah. Well, James, before we get into our our, <laughs> our regular show, mm-hmm. um, I have a confession to make. We recorded Friday's show early on Friday morning, which we occasionally do, but I've been dealing with a cough and a cold, which I'm still dealing with, as I was telling you. So I was not exactly in my right mind at that early hour on Friday, and it led me to completely botch a story. I mentioned the show The Bench at the Cherry Lane Theater, and at the time, my adult brain thought that Chris Knopf was starring in it. He is not. He is just one of the show's producers, and the cast hasn't been announced yet. So I apologize uh, for that confusion. I got the story in the morning. I was like, hey, Mr. Big's in a show. Let's put that in. I'm not very smart. Uh, But I promise when they do announce the cast, I will let you know who actually is in it. So I apologize if I got anybody really excited. But, you know, sometimes when we get up at the butt crack of dawn to do these shows early, um, my brain stays asleep. (laughs) So what if when they announce the cast, he actually is in it? Can I officially cl- call you Miss Cleo then? <laughs> That's kind of one of our ongoing jokes. But if he is actually in it, I will allow it. All right. <laughs> Although we didn't get nasty grams from any press reps, so maybe we didn't. <laughs> Usually if we accidentally step too close to uh, the truth, uh, <laughs> people get excited with us. <laughs> well, I will say this. I, I'm not going to say which show because I don't want to get yeah. any um, press reps mad at us. But there's apparently going to be some big Broadway announcements here in the next few days for a show that a lot of people are looking forward to. It should be uh, some fairly loverly news at some point in the next few days. Oh, there you go. Vague booking again. 
All right. What? I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I got nothing. <laughs> All right. First up in the news, Heidi Blickenstaff to lead Freaky Friday, the Disney Channel movie. Yeah, James, this is was a very, very welcome surprise on Friday as the Disney Channel announced that Heidi Blickenstaff would reprise her role as the mom turned daughter in the new musical Freaky Friday that's being made into a TV musical. James, we've talked about the show throughout its development and tour in which Heidi starred in. And it's just so cool to me to see that a theater person who starred in the original, you know, theater production and it didn't even go to Broadway is getting the opportunity to continue with the show when it moves on screen. Blick and Staff will be joined by Cozy Zuseldorf, James, who I am sure you are quite familiar with from the Dolphin Tale movie franchise. <laughs> the movie will begin production this fall ahead of a 2018 initial broadcast. The musical is, of course, based on the iconic novel by Mary Rogers, a great musical theater writer in her own right. And this version features a score by Pulitzer Prize and Tony winners Tom Kitt and Brian Yorkey and a book by Bridget Carpenter, who will also be writing the teleplay. James, I... I, I love Heidi Blickenstaff. I think she's fantastic. So this made me very, very happy when the announcement came down on Friday. All right. Next up, Second Stage receives $14 million for their renovation. Yeah, James. On Friday, the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs, New York City Council, Manhattan Borough President's Office, and Second Stage Theater announced that the renovation of the Helen Hayes Theater received $2.35 million in new funding added into this year's city budget. The new funding brings the city's total commitment to $14.17 million. Second Stage is currently on schedule to complete fundraising the final 20% of the $64 million project, which will include funds for programming, operations, and production of its upcoming seasons on Broadway. The first show that will play the newly renovated Helen Hayes is Kenneth Lonergan's Lobby Hero, which will, which will star Michael Sarah, Captain America Chris Evans, Emmy nominee Brian Tyree Henry, and an actress to be named later. That show will begin performances on March 1st. James, I guess the, we've talked so much about all these opportunities for new Broadway theaters that seem to be passing by because people can't make it work financially. I guess the way you make it work financially is to be a nonprofit theater and get the city to help. Mm, those are fighting words for commercial producers, though. <laughs> so. I'm just saying, they can't figure it out. We've talked about like three Broadway potential new Broadway theaters that can't work commercially. Maybe this is the only way we're going to get a new Broadway theater anytime soon. Hmm. That's the problem with real estate. There is uh, n no more real estate than there was 100 years ago when uh, I guess um, – you know, this big run on theaters started to happen, and we started to have the fight between theaters and other uses of that space. We'll have to see. Uh, you know, I just don't foresee, if anything, maybe that space next to the Imperial that used to be a parking lot could become a could become a Broadway theater, but it's looking more and more each day that it's not going to be. Hmm. So next up in the news... Lin-Manuel Miranda takes aim at Trump over the Puerto Rico response. I have seen a lot of this oh, over yeah. the weekend. Oof. Yeah. yeah, James, it got a little testy on Twitter this weekend. Um, Lin-Manuel Miranda, who is 
normally only subtly political online. He went full bore in Donald Trump after the president's vile attacks on the mayor of San Juan, Puerto Rico, Carmen Julian Cruz, Lynn, a proud Puerto Rican American, went on a mini tweet storm amid more than a week of fundraising for his parents' home island. Lynn tweeted, quote, you're going straight to hell at Donald at real Donald Trump. No long lines for you. Someone will say right this way, sir. They'll clear a path. He <laughs> he then followed that up with she, meaning Mayor Cruz, has been working 24-7. You have been golfing. You're going straight to hell. Fastest golf cart you ever took. And finally, in response to a Trump tweet, Lynn said, quote, did you tweet this from the first hole, 18th hole or the club? Anyway, it's a lie. You're a congenital liar. Not mincing words there, that Lin-Manuel Miranda. Uh, over the weekend, Lin, along with a cavalcade of Latinx stars, recorded a benefit song that he wrote and he's been talking about on Twitter for a week or so now. I saw pictures of Lin with the legendary Rita Moreno and Jane the Virgin star Gina Rodriguez. Um, I haven't seen a release date for when that track will be coming out, but I am sure that just as James, you couldn't miss <laughs> Lin's tweets at Trump. It'll be hard to miss when this uh, song finally gets released. Also, in a related bit of news, James, our friend uh, Patty Murin and her husband Colin Donnell announced over the weekend that they would match donations up to $5,000 that are given to Puerto Rico via the charity that Lynn has been working with, the Hispanic Federation. Then my boss at Broadway World, Rob Diamond, said that he would do the same. And then Colin's Chicago Med co-star, Tori DeVito, jumped on board as well. So if you donate and then send um, a receipt with no personal information, just like your name, um, to to a website or to a uh, an email address that Patty and Colin have set up, your funds will fit, uh, you know, effectively be quadrupled. Um, if you would like to participate, you will. We will have the link in the show notes uh, at broadwayradio.com if you want to check that out. But James, if one of my favorite people uh, in the theater world, Patty Murin, and my boss are matching funds, I couldn't not participate. So I donated, and I hope a bunch of other folks have as well. That is great, and. Uh... This is a great way to start to kick off Lintober. <laughs> That's very true. Lintoberfest. Uh, Lintoberfest. I don't know if she's calling it that. No, I think she's just calling it Lintober, but I'm calling it Lintoberfest, or maybe she is. I don't remember. My brain <laughs> still not working, still sick, still have more mucus than I really need to deal with. Uh, just to be clear about that, the Lintober slash Lintoberfest yes. is the four week podcast. Over at the Hamilcast with uh, special guest Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> yeah, I, I got an email from Jillian this weekend. Um, the first three Mondays, uh, the first three episodes will be just like a normal, you know, the normal interview stuff, and then the final one will be outtakes and other kind of goofy stuff that they did with Lin outside of the normal interview. So maybe like Broad Wasted, their four part series will actually be five <laughs> parts. Maybe. Who knows? You never know. <laughs> Love the wasted. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's up in the show and casting news? All right. This is not necessarily news because it really just came out via social media and I follow enough people that I saw it. Um, but over the weekend, some pictures started to come out from the workshop or maybe it's a lab since there's no press release. I don't know. Either the workshop or the lab for the Beetlejuice musical, Beetlejuice, James. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Thank you. Um, the picture that I saw came from the one and only Carrie Butler before she has to head to Washington, D.C. here shortly to do uh, Mean Girls. But apparently her and Danny Pudi are playing the Maitlands. That's Gina Davis and Alec Baldwin in, in the movie. James, are you familiar with Danny Pudi? No, not at all. 
He was um, one of the stars of the TV show Community. Um, he played uh, Abed Nadir in Community. He is also <laughs> – this makes me so happy. He is also the voice of Huey in the new DuckTales reboot on the Disney Channel. He's done a bunch of other stuff. He's a, he's a comedian. He's just – He's awesome. Um, he was on a show that I watched called Powerless that got canceled very quickly. Uh, but he's very, very good. I didn't know he w- could sing. But apparently Carrie and Danny are, are playing the Maitlands. Also featured in some pictures, if you poke around a little bit, are Alex Brightman and Sophia Ann Caruso, presumably playing the aforementioned poltergeist and Lydia Dietz, the roles created by Michael Keaton and Winona Ryder on screen. As we've talked about before, James, Australian musical comedian Eddie Perfect is writing the music and lyrics, and Scott Brown and Anthony King are writing the book, are writing the book, and Alex Timbers is directing. He replied to one of Carrie Butler's uh, Instagram posts with just three emojis of spiders. So that's not creepy at all. Um, and then uh, in some other news, Playwrights Horizons has announced a two-week extension for their world premiere production of The Treasurer, a new play by Max Posner. The show will now run through Sunday, November 5th. The show's press notes describe it thusly. Ida Armstrong is broke, lonely, and fading fast, and she's spending all of her children's money, forcing her son to assume the unwanted role of the treasurer, an arrangement that becomes untenable the more he questions his devotion to her. In this darkly funny, sharply intimate portrait, Posner chronicles the strained ties between a son and his aging mother and the hell of a guilty conscience. Now, James, I I, I think we'll be hearing a little bit more about this show on Broadway Radio soon, won't we? We just need Max, Max to get his voice back. That's all. Yes. <laughs> there will be a uh, an interview with Max Posner uh, coming up as soon as he can speak. Apparently, he and I have been on similar things, hit him a little worse than me. <laughs> all right. Leading theater critics to unite for a new podcast. Yeah, because that's what everybody needs are more theater podcasts. That's what we always say around <laughs> here around Broadway, <laughs> Broadway Radio. Um, anyway, yes, finally in this section, something a little different, but still technically a show. On Friday, American Theater released the first episode of its new podcast, Three on the Isle, featuring drama critics Peter Marks, Terry Teachout, and Elizabeth Vincentelli. Uh, Three on the Isle is a podcast from New York about theater in America. In the first episode, they talk about their theatrical tastes, discuss the state of political theater in the age of Trump, and pick the shows they're most excited about seeing in the first half of the 2017-2018 season. Future episodes will feature guest panelists from around the country and will touch on such topics as the problem of of earning a living in regional theater, the fast-growing prominence of female stage directors, the growing dominance of small cast plays, and the challenges and rewards of solo shows. James, I haven't listened to this first episode, but that uh, political theater, the state of political theater in the age of Trump, Knowing the three people, not personally, but knowing enough about those three people uh, on this panel, I'd imagine there might be some confrontations and disagreements on this one. I think so. <laughs> one of, let's just say in the words of Sesame Street, one of these things is not, not like, like the, the other. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, that makes me, uh, should I say, yeah, it makes me not want to listen. <laughs> but <laughs> I love the other two so, so, so much uh, that I probably will, but... Yeah, enough said. Well, um, I think it's great that uh, three very, very high-profile, uh, high-visibility uh, critics are, you know, finally doing what we started out to do eight years ago, <laughs> nine years ago. So uh, this is great, and uh, 
two of the three have been on Broadway radio before. So uh, that's exciting. not the thing that separates one from the other two. Okay. <laughs> Is it the same person? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I wonder okay. why. Okay. Uh, study shows watching a musical is good as a workout. See, yeah, I, this is why I don't do sit-ups, because or, I watch musicals. Or this is why Peter Felicia has rock-hard abs, you know, because he sees so many shows. This He's built true. like Adonis. Yeah, this anyway... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James. I think we've talked about this before, or maybe there was something where they were going to measure fright. I, this seems vaguely familiar. But anyway, um, last week, The Sun over in the UK and then The New York Post re, um, reposted it, I guess, um, because they're both Rupert Murdoch. <laughs> yeah, they're both Rupert Murdoch owned papers. But anyway, um, there is a very, very small uh, study done with audience members at Dream Girls over in the West End where they put heart rate monitors on 12 seated volunteers and measured their heart rate throughout the show. Apparently right before the interval or the intermission and the finale, they saw their heart rates go up a tremendous amount, but it basically raised the overall heartbeat for the 12 people, about 50 to 70% of their theoretical maximum for 28 minutes that it studied to me, James, obviously 12 people does not a, you know, a scientific, you know, conclusion make, but man, for those of us that sit in the theater way too much, um, this is really good. <laughs> this is this makes you feel pretty good about not getting your steps in on your uh, on your Fitbit. So, um, not a whole lot of other information here. The research was undertaken by the University College London alongside Encore Tickets. Um, that's a weird a weird marketing thing for Encore Tickets to want to do. But anyway, um, I, yeah, okay, let's do it in a big study. Let's do it. You know, across, you know accounting for different variables and um and everything and let's see if this is real because if it is i could probably you or james you could probably get rid of one of your five gym memberships this is true uh and i wonder you know after a more serious study has gone into place here if we can rate the different songs like and i am telling you i am not going from dream girls versus <laughs> defying gravity and wicked versus you know uh all i ask of you and phantom you know so i i'd imagine that they they all have different uh levels yeah or whipped into shape from legally blonde which is actually about getting you into shape so if you listen to a song about getting you into shape does it work double hmm that is circle circle under over never mind i could go on mickey <laughs> snelson yeah <laughs> okay so Natalie's back to give us uh, this week's theatrical schedule. Hi, I'm Natalie Nowak, host of Broadway Radio's On My Way to a BFA, and I'm here to discuss this week's theatrical calendar. First up, on Tuesday, the Love Never Dies first national tour launches in Baltimore at the Hippodrome Theater and will travel to dozens of cities across the country. Love Never Dies is the sequel to The Phantom of the Opera, and it takes place 10 years after The Phantom's disappearance from the Paris Opera House. He has escaped to a new life in New York where he lives amongst the screaming joyrides and freak shows of Coney Island. The cast includes Garter Thor Cortez as the Phantom, Megan Pacerno as Christine Daae, Karen Mason as Madame Giri, who I actually interviewed for my October episode of On My Way to a BFA. Stay tuned for more news on that. Sean Thompson as Raoul, and Mary Michael Patterson as Meg Giri. Also on Tuesday, the New York premiere of Oedipus El Rey opens at the Public Theater. Set in south-central L.A., Oedipus El Rey is an electrifying new take on the Greek tragedy written by Luis Alfaro. 
Next up, previews begin for Springsteen on Broadway. Bruce Springsteen will make his Broadway debut at the Walter Kerr Theater on Tuesday, and the rock legend will perform a pared-down version of the show he normally presents at huge stadiums and arenas across the country. The official opening is scheduled for October 12th. Insiders speculate that the upcoming fall run is just a teaser for a much more ambitious Broadway project, a new musical based on Springsteen's best-selling memoir, Born to Run. The original West End production of Heisenberg opens on Tuesday. For their production, Marianne Elliott reunites with playwright Simon Stevens and the creative team from The Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime for the UK premiere of Heisenberg, The Uncertainty Principle. This production stars Kenneth Cranham and Anne-Marie Duff. In this uncertain world, who can predict what brings people together? When two strangers meet by chance amidst the bustle of a crowded London train station, their lives are changed forever. Next on Tuesday, previews begin for Keen Company's Lonely Planet. Starring Arnie Burton and Matt McGrath, Lonely Planet is the story of friendship in a time of crisis. Set in a small map store on the oldest street in an American city, Lonely Planet is an intimate portrait of two friends at the height of the HIV-AIDS epidemic. This production will officially open on October 19th. Moving on, Lincoln Center's original Broadway production entitled Junk begins previews on Thursday, October 5th, with an official opening scheduled for November 2nd. Led by Stephen Pasquale and directed by Tony winner Doug Hughes, this is a no-holds-barred portrait of Wall Street at its most powerful and most dangerous. Previews for the off-Broadway production of Stuffed begin on Thursday at the West Side Theater. This production will open on October 19th. The play features Lisa Lampanelli's famously irreverent voice, signature wit, and extra-large scoop of razor-sharp insight onto the crazy-making world of our relationships with food. The West End premiere of David Ives' critically acclaimed Broadway smash hit Venus in Fur starts previews on Friday, October 6th at the Theatre Royal Haymarket. Natalie Dormer and David Oak star in this production, which will officially open on October 17th. Also on Friday, the world premiere of Prince of Egypt opens in Mountain View, California at the Mountain View Center for the Performing Arts. A soaring celebration of the human spirit, the Prince of Egypt features a dazzling multi-ethnic cast in one of the greatest stories ever told. The saga of Moses and Ramses, his pharaoh brother, and the indomitable people who changed them both forever. Inspired by the beloved DreamWorks animation film and featuring a score by Stephen Schwartz, the composer and lyricist of Wicked, this breathtaking journey of faith and family is the must-see event of the season. Next, we have All for One Theater's production of Squeamish, which begins previews on Friday. Squeamish is the tale of an Upper West Side psychoanalyst, a longtime recovering alcoholic whose bloody quest for personal balance begins when she finds herself in the South Plains of Texas off her meds after her nephew's suicide. This production is set to open on October 16th. The off-Broadway revival of Howard Crabtree's When Pigs Fly starts previews on Friday at Stage 42 and will open on October 30th. This production stars a character named Howard, portrayed by Jordan Onquist, not unlike Mr. Crabtree. In a hastily booked theater under renovation, Howard struggles to put on a lavish musical review over numerous obstacles, including the near-mutiny of his cast and the nagging memory of his high school guidance counselor, who told him he'd succeed when pigs fly. Let's move on to Saturday, which is a very busy day for the theatrical calendar. First up, we have the Broadway revival of M. Butterfly, which starts previews at the Court Theater. M. Butterfly charts the scandalous romance between a married French diplomat and a mysterious Chinese opera singer, a remarkable love story of international espionage and personal betrayal. This production is directed by Julie Taymor and stars Clive Owen and Jin Ha. 
The Color Purple Revival National Tour starts previews on Saturday in Schenectady, New York, at Proctor's, with an official opening on October 17th at Baltimore's Hippodrome Theater. The Color Purple is the 2016 Tony Award winner for Best Musical Revival. Hailed as a direct hit to the heart, this joyous American classic, directed by Tony winner John Doyle, will be coming to a city near you. Cast members from the 2016 Broadway Revival include Ariana Hicks as Seeley, Carla R. Stewart as Suge Avery, and Carrie Compare as Sophia. Also on Saturday, Lincoln Center's off-Broadway premiere of After the Blast starts previews and is set to open on October 23rd. After the Blast is set in the wake of a total environmental disaster when the human population has retreated underground. Experience is simulated, fertility is regulated, and Anna and Oliver have one last chance to have a baby. Next up for Saturday, the original Broadway production of The Band's Visit begins previews and will open on November 9th. Here's the premise. An Egyptian police band arrives in Israel to play a concert. After a mix-up at the border, they are sent to a remote village in the middle of the desert. With no bus until morning and no hotel in sight, these unlikely travelers are taken in by the locals. Under the spell of the desert sky, their lives become intertwined in the most unexpected ways. The band's visit celebrates the deeply human ways music and laughter connect us all. Now let's move on to the closings for this week. The original West End production of Girl from the North Country will close on Saturday, October 7th. This shows an electrifying new work from esteemed playwright Connor McPherson along with classic songs from Bob Dylan. Signature Theatre Company's Red Letter Plays F.A. was scheduled to close on October 1st, but has now been extended and will close on Sunday, October 8th. The original Broadway production of 1984 will also close on Sunday. This eerie production is the stage adaptation of George Orwell's classic dystopian novel under the same name. Well, that rounds out this week's theatrical calendar. Like I said in the beginning of this segment, I am the host of another podcast on Broadway radio called On My Way to a BFA, which chronicles my experiences as a musical theater major at the Hart School. On last month's episode, I talked with Wicked and Finding Neverland's Christine Dwyer, and on this month's episode, as I mentioned before, I interviewed Karen Mason, and we talked all about her career, about college, about theater. It's fascinating. You'll love it. And I'd love for you to follow my journey, so feel free to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Natalie underscore Nowak. To listen to my podcast, go to broadwayradio.com and search On My Way to a BFA for a list of all the episodes. All right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio, and you can find me on Twitter at BWWMatt. And subscribe to Something Like a Pop on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. We do have a new episode that just went out over the weekend where Jen and I look at the best and not-so-best of the shows premiering during the fall TV season. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. Welcome to Pumpkin Spice Month. It is October. It is Monday. Get yourselves over to Starbucks. Get yourself your pumpkin spice lattes. And uh, Matt and I will probably be back tomorrow to talk with you. Mm-hmm.